Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. We have a very interesting program today. We're dealing primarily with promotion and sales and how some really smart people are building brands. Our first guest is Harry Ein, who runs a company that I will let him talk about shortly. But first, welcome to the program, Harry. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. Well... Harry, we ask all our guests first to tell us a little bit about the, the, themselves and their background per, personally before we get into anything else. So the floor is yours. Perfect. Well, uh, yeah, thanks for uh, the intro. Um, so my company is Perfection Promo. We do a lot of branded merchandise. So what that is is we do everything uh, that has company logos on it. If it's tech companies and they're doing cell phone chargers or speakers to American Apparel T-shirts to sports teams, when you go to a game and they give away a, a bobblehead or a blanket or, or a backpack, uh, we do a lot of that kind of merchandise. And uh, I ended up starting in this industry out of college, working for a company on the East Coast, uh, worked remotely for them for a couple years, and then after uh, – working remotely, actually, I guess it was about five years, I decided to uh, kind of control my own destiny and start my own business, Perfection Promo, in 2010. So so the, uh, you, you passed the five-year mark, which is usually the mark that a com- company uh, will last a little longer. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I'd never imagined, I mean, our goals that I set out for when I started the business uh, we've already exceeded the average sales annually on uh, on what I had for my goals when I first started the business. So, I mean, it's a lot's changed in our industry since I started it, and you know, me understanding how to run a business as well. You know, you gain a lot of insight throughout when you're dealing with different uh, circumstances and such. Um, so, it's been really. You know, it's been an exciting journey for me and, uh, you know, definitely has exceeded all expectations for when I uh, made my goals of starting my own business. Well, uh, what were the goals and what did you learn? Um, Some of the goals when I first started, you know, I always, you know, my goal was to be doing at least, you know, trying to do at least $2 in sales annually. Um, And, you know, we were able to hit that by year three, 
Um, some of the stuff that I learned about the business was, you know, it was really important to be, you know, as streamlined as possible. There's, there's lots of options in the promotional products industry. I think there's, you know, over 24,000 sales reps around the country who sell branded merchandise. So we had to figure out a niche and how we could be differentiating ourselves. And, you know, with my business, I wanted it as streamlined as possible. So I want to be the number one, the only salesperson for our company. Um, some of the stuff that wasn't my specialty with the billing and the back end of, you know, dealing with accounts payable and accounts receivable with our vendors and our customers, I was able to outsource that part of the business out where I could focus on the sales and become a real expert in all of the branded merchandise and working with our suppliers and then trying to give our, uh, our customers the best possible service out there with great pricing. Well, you you say branded merchandise. Uh, I knew it when, when they called it promotional or um, uh, um, uh, putting your it's name flagging. on a pen or something like that. Yeah. But you but you're beyond that. Am I am I correct? Well, I mean, I still. I still call it swag with some people. It really depends on the audience. I mean, I, a lot of the people I do use branded merchandise because um, when people think of a promotional product or swag, you know, the first thing that comes up is a pen or a calendar. And we try to create really unique items. You know, if it's, you know, we had done recently for one of the larger airline companies, a airplane shaped cell phone charger. So, you know, some people might not think of that as actual swag. Um, you know, that's more of, you know, unique branding opportunities that you can create for customers. So um, to me, it really depends. I, I have no problem with using the word swag and, and, and people use that. Some in our industry aren't as big of a fan, but to me, I mean, it's, it is, it's merchandise and it's, it's, it's promo products and it's, you know, it's how you utilize the products. You know, you can get great ROI even out of a pen with how many impressions that it's been getting if it's sitting at a restaurant or, or at a location where, you know, hundreds of people are seeing it each week. Well, uh, when you mean swag, uh, I, I think of swag as when you go to an event and at the end of it you walk out with a bag full of goodies. Is that what you mean? I mean, I still think of that. I think it's kind of more swag is kind of considered on the lower end stuff. Um, you know, that that stuff we all get. You know, it's stuff that you, you probably would get for free. But, you know, that stuff that you get for free, that can get usage over and over again. And your impressions become, you know, limitless uh, if it's like the product that someone really loves, you know. Even if it's like, you know, a... Uh, if if it's just like when I was talking before about a pen, if you know pens, there's so many that you have, but if there's one pen you really like, you're going to use it over and over again. So you know it 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 can be really beneficial and and be a great way to market your business. Well, that's true. I, I remember as a uh, child, my father uh, uh, created a thermostat uh, from a vendor. With with uh -huh. his his uh, his store and telephone number on the bottom of it, and uh, um, forty years later, I saw saw one of them still hanging in a shop in his neighborhood. <laughs> in the neighborhood. Forty years yeah, he, later, 
you'd be a ima- I mean, in like something like that, like there's not that much kind of advertising, you know, with TV or print or anything like that that can get that kind of impression. So, I mean, I hear those stories all the time. I see my products uh, in the Bay Area. It's great sometimes, you know, basic stuff if it's sweatshirts or stuff for a sports team of a, a basic scarf for you know, four or five dollars, you know, I'm seeing people wearing those around and it might have been a giveaway that we had done five years ago and it's still getting used. So, you know, it's a product that that lasts and and people, you know, especially if it's something they like, they're going to be using it over and over again. Well, uh, when a small business comes to you and uh, and says, I need a promotional item, uh, what are some of the questions you ask them? Well, I try to find out first about their audience and look at what the people is. And then it's always important, too, to understand expectations. So it's trying to find out what their budget is, what the quantity they're looking for. You know, if they're, you know, talking about, you know, having Patagonia bags, but they only want to spend $20, that's going to be unrealistic when it's a $100 retail bag. So, You know, you have to kind of manage your customers' expectations. You need to, you know, try to find stuff that fits their budget, that's unique, and that's going to give them a high perceived value in the market uh, so that their customers are really excited about what they're receiving. Um, is, Is it important to have quality over quantity? I think so. But, I mean, it just depends on the business and what you're doing for outreach. But, you know, when I do self-promos for different customers of my stuff, you know, we're not giving out magnets or or pens and stuff like that. You know, I'm really trying to show unique items. And we work a lot in uh, in the Bay Area here with a lot of tech companies and startups and such. And, you know, to them, it's trying to create something that's really unique. They're they're seeing everything that's coming in the mail and, and all the online catalogs. So, for us, if it's coming up with a, a speaker that has full-color printing all around it that kind of can, you know, uh, have a message that resonates with their business and with their customers, you know, creating something like that or something that's totally custom and unique, that's something that's more important to us. And, you know, I'd rather hand those out to, you know, a couple dozen people than, you know, send out something that's very generic that everyone can get to 500, 500 customers. You know, I'd rather make more focused products for everyone. Well, you know, what's really interesting, every show I go to, I get at least two or three USB um, uh, uh, instruments. Some of them, uh, most of them have the uh, press kit on there because, you know, we're the press. But it's always interesting. I I must have 30 or 40 of them scattered around my office. Uh, I I guess, what what do you think is going to be the next... Uh, the next uh, big item. Uh, well, I the, think the it's handout. already right. I mean, right now, and I mean, I hear you on those USBs. I have them all around as well, and uh, and it, it's just it has been really saturated. And I think the next thing it still goes into. It's probably two categories. I still think tech is going to keep growing. You know, we're so you know used to using our cell phones and and such for everything that we do on a daily basis so like different chargers and kind of creating chargers that can charge faster uh smaller shapes stuff that can be unique to your business i also think the other area of what's going to be really good for our industry in the next couple of years is you know the evolution of 3d printers and how that's going to help us kind of create more custom products that you know in 
overseas it might have taken you know 2500 or 5000 pieces to do something that custom it might be a smaller volume so it can help out small businesses down the road where they might want to do you know 100 of some item but make it a little bit more customized for uh for the customer uh even when we do those cell phone chargers for like the uh for the large airlines, and we've done them for plenty of other industries. I mean, we can do those at a minimum of 100 pieces right now. Um, and that's been a really successful item because you can attract more customers with a lower minimum, and it's something that's really unique for that brand. Well, just out of curiosity, what, what would a, a fast charger, uh, 100 pieces, let's say, or 500 pieces, how much would they be per piece? Can you For like give a us a basic, range? yeah, absolutely. Like a basic cell phone charger, like twenty two hundred milliamps, um, not a custom shape. You know that might look to be in like the seven to nine dollar range for a hundred to five hundred pieces with your imprint on it. If you're doing something, you know, that's like the shape of your stuff. Like let's say that you're a uh, a uh, a moving company and you want to create a uh, a truck that looks exactly like your moving vans or moving trucks that you guys have so you know something like that on a hundred pieces is probably closer to fifteen to seventeen dollars but you know the impressions and you know the uniqueness of the item you know it's something that could be the same thing as the thermostat that you talked about for your father people could have those for you know five to ten years if they really love using it mm-hmm it's interesting. Um, uh, on the on the other side of it, um, uh, swag or promotion pieces they, they've been around a, a long time. If you watch a, a roadshow, antique roadshow, you see oftentimes people will bring in uh, uh, beer uh, beer trays or posters, etc. Um, is it? And, and you're creating a lot of things around the tech side. But what are some of the more, uh, I will say, mundane but more common items that, that are being used in this area? Yeah, I mean, you can say, like, coasters. You know, we do stuff like that. I mean, some of the more basic items that I would say, I mean, the T-shirt, just doing basic T-shirts, especially because we work with a lot of sports uh, teams. You know, budgets are tight, so... You know, when we do large volume T-shirts, you know, they're only spending a couple bucks on those. Um, you know, uh, other items that get good returns, just basic uh, non-woven bags, you know, you can get those for under a dollar uh, with your imprint. Um, you can go into looking at, you know, uh, uh, buttons. That's like something that's been around forever with, uh, you know, it's not just for political campaigns now. People are using buttons and they can be trendy uh, for the youth as well as older people, they can put them on their backpacks. They can put them, um, you know, on different clothing items. So, you know, it gets kept as kind of a memorabilia piece as well. Well, um, it's funny you mentioned buttons because I've seen at a couple of conventions recently that they're buttons with uh, uh, flashing lights but also semi-neon uh, words, and you have to find... Um, if you find another person with the same word, you can go to the booth and get a prize. Have you seen that and uh, things like that? 
Yeah, I mean, there's so many more ways to kind of use it. It's a great, it's an inexpensive promo item, so you can do stuff to attract people to booths. Right now, we're working with a uh, large cosmetics company on a uh, upcoming launch, and we're actually creating uh, we're creating buttons that are lenticular buttons. So it's kind of like a 3D button where it has a couple Im- like when it kind of rotates, it changes the image on the button. So it's kind of going to be uh, you know giving that kind of unique look and and when people are in the stores and and trying to create their message it's going to give not just one generic look that goes with everything and sits there but the buttons moving and and giving them a couple different impressions uh on the item Hmm. when you working with them what do you mean by that i'm sorry i i didn't hear you what'd you say when you say work uh, working with a client what do you mean by that? I mean, it's trying to – working with clients, you know, you need to understand what their objectives are. That's the first thing. It's like what's the event, what's the launch, what are you trying to do? I mean, anyone, if it's a, a small, you know, uh, you know, a small cleaning company to working with Microsoft, you know, each one has an objective of what they're looking to accomplish from the merchandise. So you try to understand that, and then you try to come up with the most unique and creative ideas for that customer. Um, and that doesn't happen overnight. I've been doing this, you know, been in this industry since 2001. And you have to always educate you, educate yourself on what the new products are and what's out there. And, and that's, that's really important for me, especially with the type of clients that we deal with, um, with the, the, the high-level brands. They're expecting us to come up with good ideas and, and give them creative, uh, creative options uh, when they tell us different budgets and, and what their objectives are. So, you know, it's, it's really important for us to be, you know, a creative marketing agency as well. It's not just, you know, slapping a logo on a pen. It's trying to be creative and and be, uh, you know, that kind of boutique firm that can offer, you know, the ideas as well as creating the products for them. Well, what do you think your strength is as a small business? I think my strength is sales. Um, It's working with clients and understanding what they want to do, you know, and, I mean, that goes back to, you know, how I do that. I mean, it's it's important for me to always give my customers my cell phone number, let them know they can reach me early in the morning or late at night. I mean, I have a, a client from, you know, one of the biggest, uh, largest tech firms in, in, in the world that she works at seven, between seven and eight is when she's calling me on swag stuff. And, and if I don't answer, and, and she knows that I might be with my son and family and, and talk real quick, and she understands that, but... You know, if I'm not answering and, and servicing her, you know, I'm not going to be – most likely she's going to be going elsewhere or, or looking online because that's the time that she works. So it's really important to cater to your customers and, and work uh, and try to make it as easy as possible for them to do their job. Well, that's very interesting. Uh, you said and earlier, I, I mean, too, now, like when you say, like, uh, on some of these companies as well, and sorry to interrupt – you know, it's just I've seen that it's evolving now that more and more people are working around the clock. You know, it's not a typical nine to five and no one's going to call you. I mean, I have plenty of clients who call at six, seven, 
uh, o'clock at night or or seven in the morning. You know, they expect you. And and with this digital age where you know everyone is so accessible, I think you know it's it, it can be good I, for me. I have no problem with it. Some people may be shy away from it, but it you know kind of differentiates our business that we're always accessible uh, to our customers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you said earlier that uh, uh, do you have other people selling for you, or, or or do you do all of the selling for the company? I do all of the selling for the company. So each client that we deal with, they know me and they know working with me. And you know, I have uh, one uh, besides the billing company, I have one inside sales support who may help on on some different stuff when you know we're just backlogged or sending proofs and and such like that but the clients know me and they know they can always reach me there's there's not a client that doesn't have my email and uh, and phone number and cell phone number to reach out at any time okay. Harry I, I see our, our next guest uh, has come on the board and I want to bring him in and ask you to listen in and comment um, uh, because you have somewhat complimentary uh, offerings, and I'd like to uh, uh, do some interactive once uh, I talk with him a little bit. Can you stay on the line? Absolutely. No, I'd be happy to help. Thank you. Joseph Michelli is an author of a book and also a very smart uh, person, that we wanted on this program. Joseph, welcome to the program. It's great to be with you, Don. How are you today? Uh, better that you're on, and, and now I've asked Harry Ein, who, who runs uh, Perfection Promo, to stay on, uh, uh, because I think uh, together we may get some more information for our listeners. But for first, we're going to talk a little bit with you, asking again, asking you, like all of our I guess to say a little bit about yourself personally before we get into the, the topic. Well, I've been blessed to uh, have gotten the opportunity to get education at USC and get a PhD in organizational development, and from there, all kinds of wonderful things happened along the way. And most of my career has been spent trying to help us deliver compelling and engaging customer experiences. Not unlike your last guest, do things that are memorable and keep you top of mind for them, both in the marketing side of the world, but also the way you deliver the experience day in and day out. And uh, written a few books along the way with some of the clients, Starbucks, Ritz-Carlton, Post, and now the latest book about Mercedes-Benz. Well, uh, what is the name of the book, and what is the, the thrust of the book? Well, you know, the name of the book is Driven to Delight, and it focuses on a brand that all of us know from a strong marketing perspective, uh, fairly legendary marketing from Mercedes-Benz, one of the recognizable brands in the world. We also know them for product excellence and innovation and engineering. But one of the things they have not been known for is the experience that customers have when they purchase the cars or when they get their cars surfaced. And so you have a brand that is luxury and elite and premier, but the customer experience was falling beneath that that you might find at other brands, not even in the luxury sector, and certainly falling behind brands that were built to deliver amazing experiences, brands like this. And so they really had to, to transform their curve. They had to get a little bit away from their product century and move more toward a customer-centric model where product is still very, very important, but a product that's not delivered that a customer wants is really missing the mark in the consumer landscape. 
Well, I have to tell you, my one experience owning a Mercedes perfectly uh, uh, demonstrates what you just said. So Yeah, um, you know, I think most people love the car, wonderful vehicle, but there were literally customers that I talked to, and, and I think the brand was aware of that were saying, look, we churned from the brand because there are plenty of other great products, and we just wanted to be valued, appreciated, and heard and cared about uh, in the service experience. And when that didn't happen, we would forgo whatever difference in quality we perceived might be there because there were plenty of other suitors that were good enough. Absolutely. Well, uh, having said that, and uh, uh, Harry just demonstrated what a good customer service person he is. He gave them. He, he gives them home uh, phone, uh, uh, mobile phone, and uh, email, etc. But uh, uh, listening to him, I, I thought thought of you because you were coming on. But uh, tell us, how do you how do you t- <coughs> change a company culture like Mercedes-Benz? Well, I think the the beauty, and I know you're just predominantly small business owners, the beauty is that Mercedes-Benz have a hard time changing because they're so large. And so the advantage of smallness is being able to be nimble and to empower your people to understand your vision. And it's a lot easier to do in a small business. Mercedes-Benz, it literally took EO saying that it was going to be his legacy to transform the customer experience. He went out in Automotive News and every publication and really publicly said that. He created a vision for what that would look like uh, with his leadership team. They depicted it in a very uh, graphic image that's you know on our website and also in the book. And, and it allows you to see that he helped his people not under, understand in words what his vision for the future was, but he really depicted so they could see it. He knew that he'd have to give up some things in order to get what he wanted, so he helped people say, we need to stop doing certain things if we're going to achieve this vision. And he was realistic to not just heap on more and more and more. Uh, he knew that it was going to have to be a trade-off of other, you know, other things. And so I, I think that what you saw there was a clear vision of leadership, the ability to mobilize hearts and minds, and then a real willingness to to look at what can we do every single day in our regular processes, as well as what do we do from a technology perspective to make sure that we're making life easier for our customers through technology, but more importantly, how do we bolt the technology in with our people so that we just don't give them a bunch of self-serve technology options, but when they choose a person, when they say, I'm not going to just use the frequently asked questions part or a live chat, when I really want to call somebody, um, and what is going to happen then? And so I think it's understanding the interface between technology and human customer experience delivery. And they spent a lot of money and a lot of time on it, and they flipped from middle of the pack uh, in terms of J.D. Power scores to the top of the heap on the sales satisfaction index. Their sales numbers are breakthrough, and I think that it speaks volumes to what we need to do today in small business or otherwise. We need to make it personal. We need to be able to be accessible. So all the things that you know your prior guests talked about are exactly what small businesses need to do. And we also have to be memorable. So utilizing tools like his help you stand out from the clutter of everyone else out there. Well, Jeff, what are some of the things that Mercedes-Benz had to do in order to change the culture? 
Well, I think principally you have to start talking about the fact that, you know, you have a great product. But imagine, you know, Nordstrom, for example. Imagine I walked into Nordstrom today and I had $100,000 waving above my head. I mean, Nordstrom has a lot of great products that I could spend $100,000 on, but I can tell you that the, the service professionals at Nordstrom's would be all over me, and they would be creating an awareness and experience. They'd listen to me. They'd empathize with me. They'd add value. They would delight me. They'd come to my home, for goodness sakes, to look at my wardrobe if I needed them to, to make sure that that spend would be made in their building. And people were walking into Mercedes-Benz dealerships with that kind of money in their pocket, and they were not getting an experience that showed a lot of enthusiasm, that didn't demonstrate that people were heard and understood and valued. And so I think that the, the key message to people was we have the power to elevate an experience that is in keeping with our brand promise, which is to be best or nothing. And clearly the products might be right, arguably there, but the experiences were not. Um, could I could go to Harry for a minute and, and ask him, Harry, does that resonate with you? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think when you have that brand, I mean, it's really important that, I mean, Mercedes, everyone knows it. It's the top of the line. So, you know, your brand is one of the most important assets that you have. So, you know, when I am dealing with a company like Mercedes and how they do stuff, you know, you have to uh, you have to consider everything about the brand and, and try to make sure that, that you're the products that you're offering, everything relates to them, and it's not something that's just basic. You have to be unique. You have to be a high-perceived value. It has to be sleek. It has to go with everything of the Mercedes message. So, you know, protecting that brand, it, it's just crucial. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, what he states on, on everything, it, it's exactly spot on on what they do. And, and I think it, it's the, the same approach that you need for small businesses as well, you know, doing that same stuff. Um, and trying to create that same culture for your own small business um, since that's been a successful brand. And a lot of those successful brands are, are very protective of what their, you know, their logo and, and their culture is and everything like that. So you, you try to kind of you know, uh, emulate those qualities. Uh, Joseph, uh, is it Joseph or Joe? Yeah, Joseph's great. Thank you. My dad was Joe, so that's how I differentiate my brand. I think <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny. I ha have a high school friend who's also named Michelli, and uh, uh, his uh, Charles did exactly the same thing. He always called him Charles because his father was Charlie. Uh, there you go. It's funny with the name and everything. Uh, 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 can you continue? Can you give? Um, us examples of how uh, you would go about uh, creating this shared vision, creating this uh, um, better, co I think view it as better customer service uh, from, from it the is. time you It walk really in. is that. I think it's better customer service in context. Uh, what is it unique about what we're doing here? So it's, it's great customer service uniquely delivered in our brand way. So at Mercedes-Benz, one of the things that they realized after doing a lot of training on how to deliver great customer service was that a lot of the people in dealerships, and you have to understand, of course, that dealers are not uh, employees of Mercedes-Benz USA. The manufacturer of the vehicle and the dealers are separate entities. It's almost like a franchise or franchisee relationship. So you're trying 
designed to influence the behavior of people who work for someone else, the dealers. Um, but after a lot of training of those individuals, they realized that a lot of the folks in those buildings had not spent a lot of time behind a Mercedes-Benz themselves. So it, it's almost like owning a restaurant and not having your people ever eat any of the food that you serve. And so a lot of the effort at first was to say, you know, we have to help you understand our customers, and you have to have some of the same kinds of experiences that customers have. So they made, it a, they made Mercedes-Benz vehicles available to everybody in the dealership so they could spend a considerable amount of time behind the wheel. Um, that allowed somebody who might be working in payroll for a dealership to actually drive a Mercedes-Benz and, and take their children to a special event and feel the safety and the innovation of the vehicle, understand the legacy and history of the vehicle, and be more excited about talking about that to their customers or sharing it with their family and friends. And so some of it is just helping your people understand what's so unique about your mom and pop. What is it that you've been doing from your corner of the world for so long that makes you continue to be relevant? And what do you want your customers to feel and say about your brand when you're not around? I mean, really, I think that is what brands are. It's nothing more than what people say about us when we're not around, when they disconnect from your show or, you know, I hang up, you know, what are they going to say about uh, Michelli, Charlie or Charles or Joseph or Joe? Uh, what are they going to say about us? And I think it's key for us to think about what we want them to say, because that is what our brand is. That's what we want our brand to deliver. And so they spend a lot of time educating people at Mercedes. They want people to be delighted. They don't want them just to be satisfied. They want them to be delighted with the driving experience and with the showroom experience. Uh, one of the things uh, I happen to run across uh, in, in, a, in a story is the fact that some of the new things uh, that are uh, involved in cars, including uh, uh, the anti uh, uh, the devices to pre prevent them from moving uh, into a lane occupied by another car, and and the uh, central television system or navigation system requires more time. And that some uh, uh, car dealership and car salespeople are having trouble uh, devoting the time to, to to truly explaining all of these features to them. Uh, how did Mercedes-Benz handle the the innovations that they built into their cars? Well, they have something called a product concierge, which helps you upon delivery of your vehicle. If you think about it, you're buying a supercomputer, right? I mean, this thing today can do things that most of us, you know, haven't even dreamed about. I mean, if you've not done active lane assist, I mean, in the new E-Class that will be released this upcoming year, you'll turn on your blinker, and that car will actually put you into that lane without you even moving the steering wheel when it is safe to do so. Now, that's a freaky thing to experience uh, for the first thousand times you do it, right? And, and to try to demonstrate some of these things, you know, at delivery is very, very difficult. So you have to have product specialists who make it so that you know all of the most important features and who you can reach out to uh, in the weeks after you purchase the car. Otherwise, guess what happens? Your supercomputer, you've spent an incredible amount of money, and there are hidden features. It's almost like you're doing a, an archaeological dig to find new things in your product months and, and months down the road. And, and you just can't do that in the modern world today. You really have to make it easy and simple. They use a lot of iPad.
iPad technology, a tablet technology to do it. Um, and tablets allow you to experience things that you may not have a chance to do. It might be an evening-based feature, and you're not going to demo the car at nighttime when you do delivery because people have lives and they want to get on with them. So um, there are a lot of technology advances, but there's humans who are specially trained at how to make the benefits and attributes of that car come alive when they deliver it to you. Well, what type of person makes a good uh, uh, delivery person? Or a used person? It really is a person who listens well in the beginning. Because, look, they know the things that are in that vehicle, and then they ask the person, what is your use case? What do you need? What are the things you're looking for in the vehicle? Are you aware of? Do you prefer to learn more about these online tutorials? Would you like me to demonstrate these things? Uh, you know, I, I think if you look at Tesla, Tesla's done an amazing job when they sell a vehicle now. The showroom experience is completely different than what you and I probably were exposed to most of our life. You go into a retail setting, normally like a mall. They ask you how often do you drive, how many miles do you drive. They demonstrate for you how much money you would save by going electric as opposed to paying for gasoline. They deal with your range fear. It's the kind of people who listen before they sell. They understand what you need and what they can solve through the products they have. And then they also help you peek into other areas that they know typically are of interest to people, even if people don't even, don't have an awareness of their need. That's interesting because Harry said the same thing uh, in the, uh, in the, earlier in the hour when he said you really try to listen to find out what your customer uh, truly wants. Am I right, Harry? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when uh, when he had just spoken about Tesla, you know, to me, when I think of, you know, in customer service as well, I, I, I do kind of look at their model because I've been there, I've seen it, it's it's in great areas. And, you know, it. I've been into Tesla, you know, into their showrooms to look around just because of the uniqueness and, and trying to understand the product. And, and they do a fantastic job of, of giving a whole experience as well as, um, you know, showing you that. And, you know, I try to emulate some of those qualities as well where, you know, um, you're listening to the customer and, and you're listening to what they're saying and giving you as much feedback as possible so that you can get their objectives and, and you know, create, you know, find what they're looking for. Instead of telling them what you want and what you think is best, it's always best to hear from your customers because they're the ones who are making the decisions. It's not for you to decide and tell them, hey, I like this and I think this is a great feature or a great product to have. But, you know, it's it's best to know, it's always best to know what your customer wants and, and to try to, you know, make sure to listen and, and hear their objectives. Joseph, let me uh, throw a little bit of a curveball at you. Um, Apple uh, stores have amongst the highest uh, sales per square um, square foot. Yet, um, uh, my experiences with them and other people's, they seem to almost tell you what you want rather than the other way around. Um, Am I wrong in this? Um, and, and what do you say? 
Well, you know, Apple has a fairly limited number of products in their array on most most things. They've simplified the design. They've spent a lot of time really understanding what customers want well in advance, and they're trying to guide you among a couple of different options that they typically have uh, they, they want to move you into. So there's no doubt about that perception. I think they're very efficient, though. They use a lot of very interesting strategies in their customer experience. They typically triage you they to the physical area in the store they want to you move you to they have a product expert in that area come to you who then uh, knows your you usually calls you by name because the person who handed you off got your name and got a pers- personal identifier is what you're wearing so that person can walk up to you and continue a conversation from the person who handed you off there's a lot of, that they do right and again i think one of the problems they're a victim of their own success they have so many people in there it's hard to even deliver the experience um, and they are trying to efficiently move people through and part of that efficiency is associated with maybe doing a little bit more pushing than pulling um, and I, w- I would agree with you i don't feel like it's a very interactive inquisitive process except maybe when they're troubleshooting a problem in your in your computer let me ask you, how can a small business identify uh, if uh, he or she ha- uh, has an organization developing a good customer service or a good customer experience? Well, I think that the first and foremost thing is you have to ask your customers and talk to your customers a lot and leverage the feedback from your customers. Um, whenever somebody tells me they have a great customer experience, I, I normally just say, how do you know? And the answer typically is our customers tell us, our customers come back, our customers refer us to other people, our customers are so deferring us that we don't have to spend a lot on advertising because we've got such an enthusiastic and supportive uh, t- group. I still think it's worth measuring that quantitatively. So even if you're a small business, I think ways to do some you know, fairly surveys that get to an understanding of whether or not you're just pleasing or you're truly delighting your customers. Um, and you, know, you can create survey monkey surveys off of emails. There's plenty of ways to do it at lost, but ultimately there's no excuse for not spending a lot of time letting customers design the future of your business and future-proofing you. You know, Peter Drucker, the great management consultant, said we're not in business to make a profit. We're in business to create a customer. And it's pretty critically important that we do that um, by, way of, you know, by way of making sure we listen to the customers that we have now and into the future. Um, I'm going to go back to Harry. Uh, any final thoughts before we finish the hour? Um, no, I think, uh, you know, one other thing that I didn't hit on that I think is kind of important uh, in this day and age and, you know, with with the differences in when you're selling or, or your brand, and, and it goes for everything, for Mercedes, for My Business Perfection Promo, you know, it's it's your business, you know, your relationships that you do, Every customer can write reviews for you online, your credibility, testimonials, everything like that. So, you know, it's crucial that you treat the customer experience is, you know, it's, it's just crucial now because everyone can be heard. So you need to have your reputation protected. And with the Internet now, you know, there's so many different mechanisms for people to write about your business and, and, and to voice their, you know, displeasures or their excitements about working with you and about your brand. So, you know, it's crucial to give your customers the best possible experience uh, because people look at that. And more and more people look online to research a business before they're working with them or research a company before they buy a product from them. And the name of your company and your website? 
uh, Perfection Promo. Uh, it's perfectionpromo.com. And, yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as well, uh, where we show off some of the cool products that we've done in the past. Uh, Joseph, the name of your book again? Uh, is Driven to I... Delight. Driven to Delight. And people can get it. We'll, we'll give a discount if they just go D to D book. That's a letter D, the number two, another D. So D to D book.com and put in VIP at the checkout and we'll sign it and give them free shipping and 30% off or something thereabouts. Okay. And uh, any final thoughts that you have that you'd Yeah, I think, it, you know, it's. Uh, I very much appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. I think that as a small business owner myself, it's critically important always to stay connected to innovation that helps us grow. Uh, and I clearly value this opportunity to talk about the importance of customer experience and really helping your people understand your vision for what you want to deliver every time, every single customer, no excuse. Well, thank you both, Harry and Joseph, for coming today. Uh, 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 Joseph, if people wanted to talk to you uh, or a website, does your company have a website? Sure. It's it's josephmichelli.com. That's J-O-S-E-P-H-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-I.com. You can find us there and be glad to communicate with them. Thank you both for joining us today. And uh, I want both of you to come back. Uh, sometime uh, later this year and talk some more. Thank you. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.com.